In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In John's Gospel, we read, Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks of my blood abides in me and I in him. As the Father sent me and I live because of the Father. So whoever feeds me will also live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. And when many of his disciples heard us, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? And Jesus continues to, to sort of push back even in their even in their grumbling, even in their even in their misunderstanding, um, to the point that many of them left. Um, but but Jesus sort of stood firm in this um, and and continued the teaching on 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 what it was that he is saying is as far as being the bread who's come down from heaven, the bread of life that gives life to the world. That when we abide in Him, He will abide in us, and sort of foreshadowing. Not only the Eucharist, um, but also the Spirit of God that that comes, you know, in Pentecost, that comes through the death and resurrection of Jesus and, and the ascension, and ultimately within us. Um, John's Gospel sort of like all the 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 saving acts of Jesus are sort of all wound into one thing: crucifixion, resurrection, ascension, sending of the Spirit. Right? Boom. Um, this saving action of the glorification of Jesus um, as the bread of life comes into us. He abides in us and we abide in him. It's a hard saying, right? There's nothing easy about about eating the flesh of somebody and drinking his blood, right? Um, but Jesus presses on. And and I think that's a it's a good a good practice that that oftentimes the church doesn't take hold of. Um, and we don't this week. Um, once upon a time in the lectionary, we had we had Ephesians five twenty one um, and fall, verses following, and um, we've taken that out uh, because they're hard sayings. At the very least, they're hard sayings in the context of the twentieth and twenty first centuries. Um, and so, rather than rather than deal with them, rather than wrestle with them, rather than um, have to talk about them. We just remove them. We just snip them, and um, so that's not what we're going to do today, right? You knew that was coming, and so um, I'm just going to read, and then we're then we're we're going to talk, right? So this is beginning in um, verse 21. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Why well, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for as the husband is head of the wife, as even as Christ is head of the church, his body and is himself Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, also wives submit and everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should lie to their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that to refer to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, 
and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may be live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or he is free. Masters, do the same. Stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours in heaven, and that there is no partiality with him. So we need to go back a little bit to, to last week, right, where where our identity of you used to be this way, but now you're this way, right? Used to be um, unbelieving, used to be Gentiles who didn't know the grace and glory of God, and now you've become children of God. Now that wall that separated you from God has been broken down, and you have been filled with the Spirit of God. You've been sealed by that Spirit. You've been made children and heirs of the kingdom of God, and therefore live lives that are worthy and reflect God's grace and God's glory. We heard last week about being imitators of God and walking um, like God and and being angry but not sinning and putting away malice and slander and and other things. And today, it's it's very similar, right? Um, these are these we we hear um, a couple of of different three different um, normal situations in life that are that are sort of put out there that. Um, that that have sort of new transformative ways of being. Um, and especially in three aspects, there's six aspects, right? There's wives, there's children, there's wives and husbands and children and parents and, and bond servants and uh, masters. But um, what is... Um, What's really telling in this is the three of these, right, sort of, there, there weren't really the societal options. Um, and that's, so, so we're going to look at, we're going to look at this, you know, this is, this, this passage has a knee-jerk reaction today, um, sp- especially with, with submitting to, wives submitting to husbands, um, and slaves obey your masters, which, both of which have been abused greatly, um, ironically, um, as we'll as we'll see, um, so let's just we're gonna dive right in, right? So submit to yourselves, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So the very first thing that Paul says that sets up this whole thing is submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This isn't just for the wives and husbands part. This is submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, and and a good image for this. Is is sort of a one-lane bridge. If you ever come to a one-lane bridge that has a yield sign at both ends, um, this is a good image, right? If there's car coming already on the bridge, yield to it. Don't go on the bridge. Or if you see a car approaching, yield. You know, sort of. Otherwise, you're going to cause a collision. In in many ways, that's what this is. Yield to one another out of reverence for Christ. That is, put your yourself aside 
and lift up the other person out of reverence for Christ. And this is sort of a universal, this is sort of a universal aspect. This isn't just in these in these three different situations. This is submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Everybody submit. So the, the word is still there, right? The word is still there for everybody. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as you would to the Lord. Husbands, love your wife as Christ loved the church. Um, you, you know, this, this again, this, this word sort of causes a knee-jerk reaction, not the, not the least because of the way that it's been put in. And in a very helpful way, um, for me at least, when, when I, I first was learning this in seminary and um, one, of, one of the women in, in our class asked the professor, what would you do? If if a, if a husband and wife came to your office, and they said, um, for for marital you know for marriage counseling, and the husband turned to his wife and, and said, she's not submitting to me. Um, what would you say? And he gave a great answer. He said, I'd say, stop reading other people's mail. That wasn't written to you. That was written to her. And I think in that context, this is it, it, it's really very helpful. Um, wives submit to your husband, right, as to the Lord. In many ways, this is sort of putting in um, a mindset, an attitude, um, and, and in reality, in that culture, there really wasn't, you know, much option, right? I mean, even in in today's Middle Eastern society, um, there's that's not really, you know, you can say it all you want, but it's sort of it's sort of a societal expectation, where right? I shouldn't really have much choice. A lot of times, um, it's when we put it into this sort of 21st century um, Western Enlightenment that it seems seems very ridiculous because it's the next part that really is the 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 part that's um, telling, which is husbands, who in many ways don't do anything, right? Don't have to, they can sort of do what they want. Um, husbands love your wife as Christ loved the church. That is die for her, right? That is, and it, and it continues on. Um, in the same ways, husbands should love their wives as they do their own bodies. He should love his wife as much as he loves himself, um, if not more, right? Um, see your wife as, as um, spotless and without blemish and without fault like these are so when you're in relationships in this in this relationship um be willing to give everything and so so this is sort of the radical um teaching right the radical teaching isn't so much to the wives it's to the husbands in this context but it fits but it fits today perfectly anyway it, in in every relationship, um, right? It that that you, when you are with your spouse, significant other, whatever, when you put your needs ahead of, when you put their needs ahead of your needs, there's a love that flows back, right? And and there's respect that that comes out of that. When you put constantly are putting your needs above their needs, 
it begins building resentment. It begins building mistrust. Um, when, when you bring flowers for no good reason, right? When you say, what would you like to watch on Netflix? When you say, how are you feeling? What happened in your day? You know, whatever, when you say, um, where do you think we should go for dinner tonight? Um, all of these things are very minor. But when it's, when it's you putting yourself in a relationship second to the person, this is when, when relationships deepen, right? And I think this is, what, this is what's, what's being written here. Um, not so much of rules like you need to be subject to your husband. Certainly not that. And as I said, wives are already sort of subject to their husband. This isn't anything new, right? Husbands treating their wives with respect, um, cherishing them, being willing to die for them. That was the, that was the new revolution identity. But in, in either way, um, we can take it today in, in our relationships with one another, submit to one another, yield to one another, be gracious to one another. Same with the same with the next passage. Children, obey your parents. You don't really have much choice, right? This is what makes that the story of the the uh, prodigal son so amazing, um, because in that culture, the the when the son goes and says, "I would really like my inheritance now, so I can go make my fortune." Um, in that culture, what should have happened is the father should have had his servants bind the son up, begin to beat him, put him in a in a locked room until he came to his senses. Like that would have been the cultural expectation of what would have happened. Um, honoring your honoring your father and mother was just that's what you do. It also made what the older son do equally as ridiculous when he refused to come into the party. Again, not honoring his parents, and the the, the parents' response was to act, um, y- you know, sort of the same way, you know, with with beatings or with pushing aside it's what makes that passage so amazing that the father runs to the son and puts on a robe and puts on a ring puts on sandals and runs to the older son outside and and says um come in your brother is dead and now he's here that that action of the father's is so amazing And, and really this is what is in this as well right honor your father and mother father's don't provoke your children to anger. Bring them up in the discipline and, and love of the Lord, and the teaching of the Lord. Be be a good example. Be caring, right? Be present. That doesn't mean you give your kids everything. This this passage in um, uh, in Jesus' day of children is not the same as as our twenty first century of. Uh, driving your kid to every single activity that they think that they need to do as well as um, buying them everything that they want. It's, but it's again, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ, honoring children, honoring their parents, parents, loving, caring, bring up their children in the knowledge and love of the Lord. And, and the next passage, right? One that's been, um, sadly abused um, over and over again, and maybe one of the reasons that this passage has been eliminated. But it, you know, 
slaves and in in the ESV translation now changes bond servants because what what was a slave in that day has no correlation to slavery as we know slavery as um, in many ways bond servants you know my my great grandfather in, in, in a lot of ways was a bond servant um, when he came over from Germany he had to, he had to work in order to pay his fare um, he had to work for several years before he could pay his fare to come over from from Germany um, back and and this is the type of, of thing that really is, is we're talking about more we're talking about people who've indentured themselves as as tutors as nannies as those sort of things or as, as apprentices as the old apprentice type system that used to be a big part of this this culture um, not not the slavery that we know but th- we know this passage has been abused but even then, right, even then, slaves or bondservants, obey your masters with sincere hearts as you would Christ, not being a people pleaser, but by doing the will of God, tendering services goodwill to the Lord and not to man. That is, that is you're, you're doing what you're doing, not because you have to, right? Because you don't, there isn't really any choice that you have anyway right obey your masters okay like this is true even if you you know you're working at mcdonald's you know or working for any employer you know it's the same type of thing you have to obey your your employer um okay but it's but it's um the thing is your attitude there are you doing it again because of your identity in Christ. You're doing it because you've been transformed by a new creation. You're not doing it to please this person. You're doing it to please God. You're doing it to do this. Um, and so this is, a, this is a passage that's sort of um, speaking to them in order to do this, not to be used again by masters, right? Like you're supposed to obey me. This isn't your mail, right? You've got a letter. Here's your letter. The next one is masters. Do the same. I, I, I mean, so everything that you just read about the bond servant, the slave, everything you just read, apply that to yourself. But also, by the way, do this. Stop threatening. Stop using your power as fear against this person. Stop using your power to inflict injustice on this person. Stop threatening, knowing that with God, there's no partiality between you or them. And I think this passage um, not only is, is such a powerful passage, that this sort of undoes a great thing where where you know that's been used forever. Where Paul says, um, "Slaves obey your masters." That's not certainly certainly was never talking about the slavery we have now, but wasn't even really talking about um, whether this is a good practice or not a good practice. Just addressing a situation. Of, of, again, not sort of talking to this person, 
but also talking to to the people in power. Just because you're in power doesn't mean you have a right not to treat this person well. Um, because uh, you are the same. There is no partiality in Christ. There may be partiality in your world, in your earthly world. There's no partiality here. And, um, and I think that translates today just as well in, in, in the workplace, um, you know, of, of all things. All of these translate um, workers do this not because you're trying to, to kiss up to your employer, but because this is who you are in, in Christ. Employers, treat your employees well, right? Don't, don't abuse your power with them. In relationships, submit to one another, love one another, treat one another as Christ treated the church. Right? Parents, raise your children to love God to reflect God and don't use don't be angry don't threaten don't be vile with your children and children love your parents like all these things sort of go together and and yeah it's difficult some of these words are difficult some of these old images are difficult when we when we pick them up and we put them into sentences or or common sentences or or present circumstances right we don't like to to think about submission, and we don't like to think about slaves, and we don't. We certainly know the abuses that have happened to both these things, but it doesn't mean we don't deal with difficult topics. This is a difficult saying. This is a hard saying, because in many ways, in reality, if we're really honest with ourselves. What else is a hard saying is just submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. Yield to one another. Put yourself second to the people around you. Put their needs before your needs. That's a difficult saying in and of it's by itself. And so these other things can just charge it up. Um, I pray this is this has been helpful, and even even if it's even if it's tugged at something in you through you, I pray that that God may work in us and through us. Um, I, I remember um, a, a woman one time back back when this used to be read in church in the lectionary, a woman one time going up and and confronting another woman for having read this passage and said, I can't believe you read that church. Um, and, and I think that's sort of the thing that, that Paul's talking about. Um, putting aside malice and slander, putting aside um, all of these, these ways in which we oppress, abuse one another, and instead find ways to build one another up in marriage, in families, in workplace, in society? How can we put aside corruption and put on 
our our new selves as our identity of Christ to be um, to yield to one another, to love one another, to lift one another up, and to be Christ to one another. For this is the invitation, and this is what Jesus says: We eat of His flesh and drink of His blood. We abide in Him, and He abides in us, that we might have Christ dwelling in us and within us and being Christ in the world. Amen.